and the other title talk, talk, Dharma talk title was It's Complicated, which is also a very good movie. If you want to laugh a lot. It's very funny. But this one is, it's still complicated. And so what am I trying to say by this? We all know things are complicated. What I'm trying to, endeavoring to help you with or encourage you to do, insofar as you're allowing me to talk to you by coming here, is to say that the just just our own experience, just our own mind, just the things that the thought patterns that come and go and the constant chatter in our own mind of, I like it, I don't like it, it's good, it's bad, it shouldn't be, it should be, it should have been this, it should, I should have done this, I should have done that. Just those, that's just, uh, as you know, it's just the surface of it. And so quite often what the self-centered mind, the ego mind wants to do with that is sort it out. I mean, you've got a big sorting job ahead of you if you're going to sort any damn thing. It's just so complicated. So from the point of view of this, these teachings, of this path, what we do is we you know, simplify it. Sit down. Meditation practice is very simple. Sit down, hold still, and just watch the complications come and go. Don't particularly personalize them, but don't depersonalize them. So in other words, don't, don't go into them with passion or grasping. And don't win them with rejecting or I shouldn't be thinking that or that's wrong or that's so on. So uh, at least when you're on the cushion, the rest of the time when you're out and you're fixing breakfast or you're driving to the store or whatever, just let it rip. Let the mind just do whatever it wants to do. Don't try to control your mind based on hope and fear, based on desire, because it's just more circles. And the interesting thing about a circle, if you're on one, if it's a very big circle, you don't know it. It's like a straight line. Looks like a path. You're going, you're getting somewhere. No, you're not getting anywhere. It's called the fancy word, and the Sanskrit word for that is samsara. The Tibetan word is korlo. It means wheel, because it's like a big wheel. So, not wrong. We've been doing that for countless eons. Consciousness is not born, therefore it does not die. Who you are cannot die. Body's going to die. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's hilarious. <laughs> and what's hilarious is it's how seriously take everything. And some of that is reinforced by the, the, the suffering we go through. We're here, somebody gives us a name when we're tinier than that person, and we start to assume things about who we are and what we're about and what's right, what's wrong, what we've been taught. What we think about what other people about, what, think about what we're thinking, and it's just complicated. This goes on and on and on. So my recommendation and the recommendation of lots of uh, teachers down through the time uh, is to just observe this. Just, just Let's just come in. You don't have to become a Buddhist. You don't have to become a card-carrying member. There's, there's no, no membership here anyway, so there's nothing to join particularly. So if you come here, you're a member. If you leave, you're not a member. Or you can still be a member and move to where is that? Lithuania? Does that still exist? That's what showed up in my mind. You thought it was going to be Honduras, didn't you? <laughs> so we simplify it by looking at the, the awareness, the, the, this body-speech-mind complication we call a human being, this matrix of nerve endings in all the five six sense fields, including the mind, these sensitive areas. So holding very still, the recommendation is to, you could say, simplify it. And how do we do that? We sit down, look at what's moving without adding to it. 
And you know, that might take several years of watching how much you impulsively add to everything. That's how you train your mind. That's how you train muscles. You lift weights and you notice how weak you are. You don't say, well, this isn't going to work. Put the weight down. No, you keep lifting weights. To use a very uh, mundane example, you, you keep doing it. The experience of frustration, the experience of difficulty is well, that's how it feels to learn something. And if, if the learning situation uh, is gets to a point where you don't want to do it anymore or you want to give up, then uh, that doesn't make you wrong. It doesn't make the learning wrong. It just means that it's complicated. We don't know the causes and conditions that, that arise as any given situation. I cannot emphasize this enough. Don't blame anybody or anything for anything. If you can stop doing that now, things will go a lot more smoothly for you and those you come in contact with. The minute we, the second we, the hour we, the day we swell up about what somebody else did or said, it's, you know, it's different levels of it, but it's, it's, it's insanity. It's a form of insanity is to object to anything or to agree with anything through grasping. I want that. I got to have that. That's right. I need more of that. That's also can be insane. What do we mean by sane? What do we mean by insane? I don't know. What do you think? What's the difference between sane and unsane? A man? Uh, laughing about it versus a fabricated response. Pretty good. I won't do that to anybody else. <laughs> that scared me. Just looking at you, I'm thinking, I don't feel like that. <laughs> so... It's complicated. So what, what, what's being recommended is whether you ever come back here again or whether you move to Honduras. See? Uh, you, can all, you can always find some time in your life, in your busy life, to take some time, sit, set the time aside, sit down, hold still, and watch the way in which the mind keeps making up stuff about everything. This is the way the, the ego or the self-centered mind reinforces and, and protects itself from the onslaughts of, as Shakespeare said, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. It's because it's slings and arrows. It's because it's so complicated. So by looking at it doesn't mean it's going to get less complicated. It probably will get more complicated, more involved, more convoluted, more difficult, more of a labyrinth, more of a matrix. But that's awareness. That's how awareness shows up that way. And you'll find that the more you do that, the less you're going to particularly believe your thoughts or disbelieve your thoughts. Thoughts are just... It's just uh, they're abstractions that arise around something that cannot be abstracted, so it can't be. So therefore, if we, if you, if you know what a fire is, and you, you're 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 living a million years ago, you you know what a fire is, but you can't tell your fellow, uh, what was that, what what age was that Stone Age fellow, that your particular uh, cave woman, uh, to make some fire, or how can we make some fire? You have to use an abstraction for that. So I, I'm sure they probably started out by going, mm. well, which mm? <laughs> is it the fire mm? the let's kill an antelope mm? Is that that fine? <laughs> <laughs> Sitting down and comment. So language started to arise around the need to, to communicate about different things that were happening in this uh, dimension we call the here and now. On, on the earth as human beings. But it starts to get very, very complicated. The abstractions that are available to us in terms of concepts are just so very, very elaborate to begin with. We're taught when we're her age 
we're taught to how to use this and we're enculturated, we're trained to believe some things, disbelieve others, depending on our culture, depending on our religion. If you happen to be raised in some kind of religious orientation, you can look and you say, if you're there now or if you're not there, if you've left that, you can see how complicated that is. And you can see that the people who are grasping at a particular belief or idea, my goodness, it's just, you, there's, you can't even, unless you talk their language, you really, in other words, boom, unless you're not going to have much happening with them. Because, I mean, you have to actually start to talk their language, and then if you do that, then you're using their definitions, their ideas. It's complicated. On and on and on. And so what's recommended is for everyone here, you know, for, the, for, the next, for the rest of your life, find some time to spend by yourself or with someone else that feels the same way. Sit down, look at the wall, or look at the floor. You don't have to look at a wall. It's just a little easier than having everybody look at each other. Sit down, hold still, watch, and watch what is moving. And over time, it might take a few days, months, years, decades. Over time, you'll begin to see the way in which you're causing your own suffering. It's a very interesting area to see the way you actually are cranking. You're actually throwing fuel on a particular fire that uh, doesn't need to be burning. It could go out. You just what quite often what we do is we fight with the fire itself. We get angry and we fight. I shouldn't be angry. We get uh, jealous. I shouldn't be jealous. Uh, any any thought pattern that comes up, we try to fight it, or else we justify. Well, I should feel that way. I should. Well, look what they did. No wonder I feel this way. But if there's some kind of awareness that is allowed to sink down into the way in which those things arise, then you could say, and just using this as a metaphor, an image, you can see the area, and it's not like a thought about it. You can see the way in which that discomfort, that confusion, where that gets its fuel from and how it continues to burn. So, and if you see that, you know, you don't, it, it's so clear, you don't even have to um, unplug it or clip it or turn it off. You don't have to do anything with it. You just see it and it just starts to dissolve because it cannot, it cannot continue without your continued passion, aggression, or ignorance. It can't continue. It can't live in the heat of bare attention or just seeing this, what it is, moment by moment. This is called the direct perception of emptiness, fancy te teaching in Buddhism. It's a direct perception without the interlocutor of concepts, without the intermediary of some conceptual idea showing you what this is and what this is about, why you should think this, why you shouldn't think this. Direct perception. And, and that direct perception doesn't have, if it's direct, it doesn't have a subject or a me in there, and it doesn't have an object or a you or a that in there. It collapses into the perception. But you have to, you have to actually do that. You have to actually, actually train yourself to over time to be so insistent about saying what is true for yourself. There's nothing to believe. I often say to people, I'm saying it now, don't believe anything I said. Leave, forget everything I said. If something is important to you and something, uh, I don't want it to be propaganda. I, want, I would rather have it be, have you walk away and, and not uh, connect with this at all uh, than have you believe some kind of idea or thought or propaganda about anything. But if something uh, that I'm saying resonates with you, then, then that's perhaps that's something that may be helpful. It's complicated. So holding very still, meditation, call it meditation. Sometimes if you go on to the internet and type in meditation, you're going to get a million responses or maybe 10 million responses to that.
what is meditation? There's just all kinds of people are ready to help you with that, and I'm one of them. I'll tell you what it is. But it's not like this is the right kind and that's the wrong kind. I don't know what you need to do, only you really know. So to me, working with, uh, uh, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> so she has to go into a prison. She was really bad. That was voluntary. So she's just, no, actually, she's going to go teach some people in a prison in Cooper Street about the precepts, the five precepts. So I just want to make sure she knew that I, when she was leaving. Where was I? It's complicated. You're telling us about what meditation is. Oh, okay. one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Meditation is not what you think it is. Meditation is action. I've given several talks on, sometimes people say, well, I'm not going to meditate. I want to get out and do things. I don't want to just be a vegetable. But meditation is a very, very subtle, very subtle form of activity, action. And it is one of the, uh, it is a way, just like thinking process is a kind of action. We're thinking about this, thinking about that, evaluating this, evaluating that, judging, weighing, comparing things. It's an activity, uh, mental activity. Meditation is to hold very still and observe, because what we're doing is we're training ourselves to just observe what's moving, observe what's moving, and, and it begins to arise in such a way that you don't really know what you're observing. The ego mind wants to stop that because it feels a little bit too risky or vague or, or not, uh, there's not enough uh, proof there. Whereas uh, the wisdom mind is all about opening up to that unknown, that unknown uh, quality of uh, consciousness. And so the activity is uh, to bring oneself into that and to do it using the senses, not to shut off the senses and not have any feelings and create some kind of artificial samadhi or non-duality or jhana states as they were doing back in uh, the time of the Buddha and some people are still doing today because they think that maintaining some kind of a isolated awareness that is very still is somehow awakening. And it's not. What is it? It's an isolated awareness that is very still. It's like it's like you're on a bus, you're going somewhere, you're making some progress, and you decide, no, I need to pull off and go into a rest area and sit there. The other people on the bus probably won't care for that idea. Very complicated. I'm not saying that it, we need to figure it out. It's way too complicated to calculate or figure out, and that's more of a materialistic approach to it, trying to uh, use the... Uh, um, some kind of information processing. So what's being what's being said is, in order to work with your negativity or your difficulty, which you probably wouldn't be here unless you had some kind of difficulty going on. That would be the topic of my next talk. Should happy people meditate? That would be a good book title. Would <laughs> good response. So it can be difficult and it's complicated in that that each person. If you had everyone in here, came here and sat uh, and did a, uh, say, a month-long solitary retreat, which would not have room enough for everybody, but just a, a month-long retreat where, where you're practicing six and a half hours a day, eventually the, the consciousness, the awareness is going to sink down into those areas that you've been, able, you've been managed to seal off and keep, because they're, they're bothersome and they're complicated like as the proverbial can of worms. It's, it's complicated in that way. It's not only smelly and crawly, but it's uh, got dirt all around it. So the powerful thing about an awareness practice or meditation is it, as soon as you sit down, it immediately becomes your personal path into your 
uh, the Western word is unconscious or your subconscious. And it's, it's difficult. It's not only complicated, it's difficult because we start to run into the things that for the last uh, 20 years, however long you've been on the planet, uh, we've been able to avoid through various things, through, through entertainment, through TV, through our relationship complications, through drugs, uh, through all kinds of uh, various ways of, of shutting off or delaying this or moving away from it. But here we are, uh, say we're faced with it and we need to work with it. And I'm saying uh, to you that uh, to before you try to solve it based on limited ideas on partial truths or on uh, limited evidence about something being true or false at all, let's first see what it is. And how do you see what it is? You have to do it yourself. You sit down, hold still. You can see I'm very much promoting awareness practice. Sit down, hold still, and you will be able to see. That's the beginning of your path. You will be able to see the way in which your mind works. The more you uh, investigate this, the, more, the deeper you go into it, the more the rest of your life could do one of many things. It could get more relaxed, more peaceful. It could get more complicated. It could be, get more painful if you've been sitting on things that have uh, have have you been uh, shall we say neglecting that particular part of your consciousness, your personality? So you're kind of in for it in a certain way. The, in our uh, tradition, we have the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. The Buddha is the example of someone who is awake, and the Dharma is the truth that 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 the Buddha taught that everything is dependently arisen. And the the third and maybe the most important part of the three. Jules is the Sangha, which is the community of people that are their basic intent is to train their minds and interacting with those people is very, very powerful because you're rubbing, you're not rubbing shoulders with people who are, who are operating in different ways to deal with their neurosis, their psychology, or their happiness or lack thereof. You're, you're, you're working with people who are very intent upon using awareness studying the Buddha Dharma, the Buddhist uh, teachings, the teachings of awakened truth to see what is it the Buddha was pointing out 2,500 years ago. He was saying that everything is dependently arisen. Nothing comes from its own side as an indiv individual me. Sure feels like it. And it feels like it even more when somebody compliments you or somebody criticizes you. That's when your ego shows up. That's why this, that's why with the Sangha who the community of people who are being very, very sincere about their situation are probably going to be pretty sincere with you about your situation if you you interact with them. The same with the teaching person. He or she or they um, are going to relate to you directly. That may be comfortable. It may be uncomfortable. But it's not something you have to do. You could move to Honduras. You could do something else. You could take another approach. Again, it's not about a right and wrong. It's just about what... what what do you need to do? What do you want to do with your uh, situation? And how do you want to work with your uh, psychology or your neurosis, if you want to use that word? Uh, so questions are good if you have them. Tayo? You said our practice is to simplify. Um, but on um, the other hand, it's also complicated. So how is this different than wanting things to be other than what they are? Yeah, this is not different. Same thing. Um, is that, that seems to be the conditions for suffering. Mm -hmm. So how does that help us work with our suffering? Looking at it rather than fighting with it. Maybe doing some fighting, but just to look at the suffering, just to look at the difficulty, to look at the conflict without joining, 
Anytime you see, have you noticed, anytime we see any kind of difficulty at all, we're either for it, against it, or it's none of our business. Or we're, we ignore it. We're either for what's going on, or we're against what's going on. We always have a position on everything. And it might be based on uh, the, the particular two people. One of the people might be a friend of ours, the other person, someone we don't know. We're probably going to be favoring the person who's our friend, not the, the person who's a complete stranger. Even if they're making more sense than our friend. That's complicated. It gets very, very complicated about alliances. And this goes, uh, don't always talk, uh, don't particularly want to give a talk on, on this particular topic, but this goes back lifetimes. This is, that's why it's so complicated. It's not just this lifetime. And it's not just other lifetimes. It's not separate. But it has to be seen. I'm not here to promote or get you to believe in past lives. I don't even believe in it myself. But I also don't ignore that aspect of consciousness which shows up as some kind of other situation. Well, further questions? <clears throat> um, when you were talking about language, particularly, you were talking about how complicated language can be. Um, is there a way to simplify our communications or have a more direct experience with communicating? That's a good one. Um, I think it depends on the context, if it's another friends or your or your partner or something like that it's you know i think sometimes it's good if you're having difficulty with someone i think and we this is what we do in the, the temple residence in the monastery we try to sit down face to face and actually try to have a, a discussion about it or communicate about what the issue is rather than just have it kind of offhand uh make offhand comments or gossip about other people that's one of the things about this um uh, building in its residence, there's very, very little gossip, even when there's plenty of material to gossip about, but uh, I don't see it. Very little discussion about who's doing what, about judging anyone, just doesn't happen. And if it does, I don't hear about it. And I probably would hear about it. So uh, there's more to the communication than just the words or the concepts. It's also your body language. And I'm not saying language that we're interpreting is as... Uh, you know, because Jessie has her arms closed and her has her head down, she hates me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or not because, you know, just because uh, uh, some, the way somebody's particular demeanor doesn't necessarily mean something else. It's just that. It's just that demeanor. It's just that particular situation. Nothing extra. And just that situation may not be flooded with information about that you're looking for. It may be uh, not knowing what's going on is also communication. Just like uh, I had a student of mine uh, in New Mexico um, talking about, sent me a text about meditation and say most of the meditation was just nodding off. And I said, that's still awareness about nodding off. Awareness is awareness is awareness. It's awareness may have any kind of content in it. It's the awareness that's important, not what is happening in the awareness. We could go further than that and say, well, does that mean awareness of a murder is just about the awareness? That wouldn't be the case there. But, but, but we need to emphasize the, the awareness of the situation as much as we point to the right or wrong or correct or incorrect or painful or pleasurable situation. So in, in here, that's why we, when we have difficulty with someone, we sit down and face each other and perhaps bow and say, this is, I have an issue with you about this or this or this. So we, we try to, we try to simplify that whole situation into what, what is the basic situation? And can we, is there some way we can work with that or some way we can 
uh, the three words I use are uh, communicate, cooperate, and collaborate. So communicate, so you really know where the other person is at, where you're at, where they're at, and and then try to uh, cooperate with the person based on a mutual respect and so on, which is not new. And then collaborate about how to work on that situation so that it so that it works for everyone rather than. Uh, somebody's in charge of somebody else, and somebody's right, and other people are wrong. More. What, what yeah. is awareness? Uh, you know, it's, I have no idea conceptually, I, I really don't know, but the way I would describe it, based on looking at this for close to half a century, is it is the space in which things occur, and it is, it is that which we ignore when we attach to the things, the passion, aggression, ignorance, I like it, I don't like it, it's good, it's bad, it should be, it shouldn't be, that shouldn't be happening. When we glom onto uh, the cloud, we ignore the sky. So this, uh, awareness is, metaphor is like the sky because it it's, doesn't do anything, it doesn't have anything, it doesn't care if birds fly through it. Uh, even a, a, a nothing, anything going through the sky doesn't leave a mark on it unless it's, of course, can't, uh, what is it? Trails, trail, what those trails called? Huh? Oh, I almost misspoke myself there. Yes. Uh, what What would we call awareness if there's uh, nothing to be aware of? Uh, emptiness. But if we were able to say it, call it emptiness, and there's some kind of awareness of something going on, it's the awareness of something's uh, that we thought was there, it's absent, or we thought it was this way, but it was really some other way. It gets very complicated, and uh, and what probably the the most profound teaching that as a as a uh, uh, path teaching, in other words, what you should do uh, is don't land anywhere, don't don't attach to anything, don't believe anything, don't reject anything, don't ignore anything, don't do anything. Don't know. It's uh, it's called Buddha Dharma without credentials, awakened truth without credentials. There's there is nobody. There's no there's nothing to prove, and there's not much happening, if anything. Good question. Yeah. You mentioned Robert. um yes. You mentioned awareness weight uh, matrix. Yeah. What does that feel or look like? Pardon me? What does that feel or look like? Awareness matrix? Feels complicated, looks complicated. Just I use the word matrix because well, we know what a matrix is because we watch movies. <laughs> That's a pretty, if you remember the images in that matrix are pretty good, uh, uh, sh something showing up as being really vast, really complicated, and really not looking at itself. All those little beings and those things were all, all tied up in their own little world. That's kind of how this uh, came up here. It's kind of how the way the, the, I mean, anytime you refer to anything that's complicated, you can use that word matrix or just like the 12 links in the chain of existence. If you start talking about those 12 chains and all kinds of other ideas, or 12 links, all kinds of other ideas that spring up around those. So, and there's a, what is there, 108 beads on a mala, and I think that represents the 108 different kinds of, of uh, uh, confusion or suffering, or I don't know. There's Buddhism is just full of numbers about everything. It's actually irritating. <laughs> too many, too many numbers. Numbers look like little animals to me, you know, like a, a six looks like a, a snake and a nine looks like a, what did I say a nine looks like? Fish? Yeah, or a bent popsicle. <laughs> <laughs>
Who needs a popsicle with this, this stick that's crooked? Yes, sir. What did you mean by let it rip? I'm saying practice, but put a big contrast between your sitting practice and your everyday life. Stop trying to correct things in your life based on confusion. I mean, you're confused, not you particularly, you're probably pretty clear. But people are very confused about things and try to fight, try to join and fight and win. And then, you know, you talk to, you, you, you notice how many people are ready to give you advice and they're totally confused people. You know, people, are, their, their life is just a mess, but they, they want to take their mind off from their life and they want to help you with your life because they can see very clearly where you're screwing things up. But yet in their own life, it's like, a, it's going, so when I say let it rip, I'm saying make a big contrast. You have a, have a meditation hall and you can have a place where you sit down. There's an altar, you sit, you bow to the altar, you'd be very, very ritualistic about it. There's nothing to believe. I don't believe this stuff here, nor do I disbelieve it. It's a, it is a way of using form to train your mind to be more clear about what's actually happening in your life moment by moment by moment. And what is happening in your life moment by moment is not separate. But in order to see that, it seems to be necessary to sharpen that awareness, sharpen that awareness, sharpen that awareness, so that when you get up off the cushion, to put it very literally, you just let it rip, be, be genuine, be who you are, function the way you are. Don't, I'm not saying go out and deliberately um, take advantage of people or hurt people or call people names just because, well, now I'm meditating, I can just, so I've said let it rip, I think I'll just kill a few of those people that I'm having so much trouble with. I just talked to somebody recently about who's having really, really intense feelings of, of somebody they're at war with. And I said, well, let's, I don't know, you could either just lose the war, which I'm always saying lose the war, or you got a couple of guns, let's, let's go kill them. We'll load our guns and we'll go, I mean, it's like that kind of a, situation. So I don't mean let it rip like that. No, don't kill anybody. But the other thing is don't fight with emotions of really intense aggression. Don't shut them down artificially. Use those as a, as we used, uh, we talked about this morning in the, the first uh, chant we did. There was uh, the Dharma gates. Is actually, that's a Dharma gate for you. That's a way for you to see deeper into the truth. Be with your negative feelings. Just don't accept them or reject them or shut down on them. Just feel that intensity. So let let them go. Let them do whatever they need to do and let your, you know, live your life. Do whatever you do and then continue to come back and sharpen the awareness. So, and what will happen eventually, and I won't predict the future necessarily, but it's been my experience that that mind training that happens on the cushion eventually starts to infiltrate your everyday life. The, the, this kind of just intense looking at what's there looking at what's there moment by moment, whatever's arising, just watching it without buying into it, without rejecting it, without trying to control it, without shutting down on it. Not, not easy to do that. There's always, there's some kind of a magnetism wants to pull us into some kind of a story, a soap opera, or else we want to shut down and just be, we want to just, I'm just going to do a mantra because I just can't stand to think about this stuff anymore. So I'll do a mantra. Not that you shouldn't do mantras. But getting, getting up off the cushion after you've been training and training and training to just observe, just observe, then that just observe kind of situation starts to just right in the middle of a conversation with someone. You're listening to them, but you're also really, really observant about everything. You're observant about how they're standing without adding on anything about how they're standing. You just notice. You notice that when you're talking to someone, you notice there's a cardinal outside on a tree making uh, what it thinks is a song. You know, you, you notice lots of different things start to come in because you're no longer blocking things out based on wanting things to be different than they are. 
based on some kind of desire. You're beginning to relax into your life by letting it rip. Be who you are. Be genuine. Be, have a, have a feelings. You have emotions. Just just experience them. And rather than try to crowd yourself into being some kind of artificially happy or artificially peaceful, it might be better to be to look at warfare for a while so you really understand what peace is. Peace isn't just uh, standing still and in the middle of uh, nowhere. It's it's having all kinds of energy go around and not being particularly uh, attached to it. Or, uh, Michael Worthington from here in Battle Creek has a question. Yes. He asks, uh, what would one do if they are attached to attachment? Mm, take two aspirins, go to bed. Being attached to attachment, uh, that, that won't last. It's just, a, it's just a way of talking about a particular dynamic that one is going through. Just don't do anything with that. If that's something that's coming up for you, it's just a matter of just continuing to train the mind, continuing to, to sit down, hold still. And you, you do this until you notice that there's no difference between sitting and holding still and living the rest of your life. If there's a boundary between sitting meditation and your everyday life, probably you need to keep sitting. At some point, you'll sit down and it won't be any difference. And I'm not saying... Uh, based on thought patterns. I'm just saying that you you just won't sit anymore, necessarily. A question from Sato in um, Bellevue. She yes. asks, um, I'm on pain pills due to the surgery I had recently. Should I still try to sit if I can? Not necessarily. I would say get through that. Just relate to that directly, but not necessarily. Not that you couldn't, if she, you know, with Seto, you could sit in a chair and do some some uh, awareness practice there, but I wouldn't worry about it too much. It'd be better to just heal, especially with pain pills. I wonder what I wonder what she's taking. There's so many things out there that are have they do one thing and then they have 15 side effects. It's, these days, there even there's so many lawsuits apparently on, on television. If they here's something that will really help you. Also, uh, the downside is you kill you, give you migraine headaches for the rest of your life, your head could fall off. I mean, it's very literal. Your head could fall off, but say it really fast, your head could fall off. Like, it's on and on and on, and you're listening to this at the same time. They're expecting you out of, because people are ignoring that people only hear the good thing and they hear the other part and say, yeah, yeah, oh, okay, okay, well, but I want to take that because that might help me with my uh, eczema. Are we ready to stop? Maybe one more question. One more question? Is there a question? Choo-choo. What happens to the complications as we just observe them? I think if the, if the complications are coming up, along with the emotion around it, along with the rough, rugged feelings that we're having around the complication, if you don't do anything with it, then it, it because it's just stuff coming and going. It's just phenomena. We're, we're living, so there's just you know the wind blows, the, the trees fall off the or the leaves fall off the trees, it rains. Things are changing constantly as long as we're in a in a living uh, uh, biologically uh, uh, active situation. So the, they they taper off because they won't they won't continue unless there's some kind of fuel, some kind of pushing or pulling or objecting or even agreement can be difficult. So that's why I say don't do anything with it. 
you need to agree with it, you won't be able to help it. If you need to fight with it and go to war, you won't be able to help it. If your your modus operandi is to just hold still and observe. And if you're pulled out of that because of the situation is so powerful, then you, your ego is just going to kind of tag along and say, really, we have to go do this? You know, because it's not your 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 self-centered idea of looking good or doing something because somebody told you to do it. You're doing it because you're so because your nerve endings are out all over the place. Your awareness is all over the place. So therefore, you notice when somebody really needs your help. And you also notice whether you have permission or not. Sometimes if somebody don't need permission for, from somebody, if they're dying of a heart attack, you help them. But if somebody else is having other kinds of things, then you might want to check with them before you go and help them based on your preconceptions, presumptions. They taper off. It just takes a while. You wear, uh, my, my teacher, Chogim Trungpa Rinpoche, said, we walk, we don't get rid of ego, we just walk on it just like a, an old, until it's just like an old shoe, it just wears out eventually. And you, the way you do that is by not uh, resoling it, rehealing it, you know, keeping it polished, put new laces in. Oh, you're probably wearing flip-flops. So, yes. If there's some sort of clarity, does that mean that the complications or confusion has dissolved? What happens, since you asked that question, the complications, the confusion, even the idea of dissolving is not separate. So nothing happens. So you don't, not, you don't get rid of anything, uh, but the, the complications themselves are not separate from anything else. So there's no longer, you can't go to war with something unless it's over there. If, when, when something looks like it's over there, but you realize there is no distance anymore. There's nothing separate from you. Who you are, you, you finally, fundamentally take your seat for who you are transcends all these complications, all this warfare just stops. It might go on for others, and if it's going on for others, and if you have their permission, you might help them with that. If you don't have help, you don't have their permission, pretty much uh, your, uh, your wings are tied. You can't do it. Yes. So now we're going to a daily Dharma gathering. I'd also like to bring your attention uh, to... Uh, uh, Sokazan, who will be teaching tomorrow evening in, at Sanctuary Yoga in Kalamazoo at 6.15. He'll be giving a talk from 6.15 to 7.15, so please join us there. And also, we do have donation boxes in the back uh, in the hallway, so please uh, help support us financially as much as you can. May it bear this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.